appreciate it, preacher. Thank you very much. Hope your Bible's to Genesis chapter 3, if you would please. Genesis chapter 3, I'll read you one passage there. We'll look at a secondary passage in the New Testament. Genesis chapter number 3, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. It has been a blessing. Genesis chapter number 3, beginning in verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest me with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and of a very beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. I put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, thou shalt bruise his heel. And the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow shall thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field, and the sweat of thy face shall thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. Heavenly Father, bless, I pray, the reading of your word. Help me as I preach it. Lord, give me good focus. May I lift Christ up high before the people. In Christ's name I pray. Amen and amen. We know this account very well. It's a true-to-life historical account of how mankind fell into sin. You surely know this, and you also surely know that God had very clearly warned them about this and what would happen if they chose to disobey. But in case you don't, drop back one chapter to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. Let's look at it real quickly. Genesis 2, 15 through 17. The Bible says, The Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. From the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now, Adam had been warned, and from chapter 3, we see that warning had been communicated to Eve. They both knew the fruit of the tree was off limits. When we arrive in chapter 3 and look at the fall of man, it's easy to assume some things that aren't true. The main thing that it's easy to assume is that this was a one right after the other kind of a thing. Eve ate the fruit, then Adam immediately ate the fruit, and then after they both ate the fruit, they both at the exact same time realized the terrible mistake they'd made, but that's not the way it was. There's a verse in the New Testament that, go to, second, go to 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, that uh, gives us enormous insight into how it really happened. We'll bounce back and forth between Genesis 3 and 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. <clears throat> Get over there and look quickly at what God said. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Now pay attention, please, to those words, Adam was not deceived. 
That tells us that Adam knew exactly what he was doing and what it was going to cost him. And I want to preach on the subject for a few moments. Adam knew what he was doing. Notice, first of all, a close couple. Genesis 2.18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Uh, down to verse 21, The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and shall be one flesh, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now I want you to see from this text quickly how close this couple was. I've gotten to talk to some of the young couples around here this week, and I love talking to young couples because I get to tell them the good news. The good news is marriage is awesome. I'm 29 years in now. This will be 34. I love it. And I'm pretty close to my wife, I think. But, but there's never been a couple as close as this. They were, first of all, close because of how Eve came into being. She literally came from part of what had been Adam. God literally took part of Adam and made this woman. It's, it's more like there were one person than two people. They were really close because of how Eve came into being. They were really close because there were no sins or flaws or mistakes or problems to come between them. Adam always had the rippling biceps and the wavy hair and he was tall and dark and handsome, and Eve always was elegant and never had cellulite, and when she burped, it was gracious, and, and she never did say to these fig leaves, make me look fat. I mean, she was absolutely perfect in, in every way, and they're close because it's just them. There's literally no one else. Adam goes out to work every day, and he, he comes home, and she says, raise them. He does this number. She counts her ribs. If they're also there, if they're good, man, there's no problems. So there's never been and will never again be a man and wife relationship as close as what Adam and Eve had. They were the best of friends. They were the closest of lovers. But then notice number two, a complete condemnation. Verse 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. From the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now there was nothing ambiguous about the command. Don't eat that fruit. But there was something ominous about breaking that command. For the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now there's a lot to see here. We see that whoever did not eat the fruit would not die ever. They would be immortal. We also see that the very instant anyone ate the fruit, one death would take place immediately. Another death would begin to take place. The Bible clearly delineates two types of death. One is spiritual death, separation from God. We find that in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And that death, separation from God, was going to take place immediately in anyone who ate the fruit. The second type of death the Bible describes is the obvious kind, physical death. That kind of death is a process. And that process would begin to happen the very moment any Anyone ate the fruit prior to that time not so much as a single cell in their body would ever die but once someone ate the fruit those individual cells would begin to age and die and it would lead to sickness and old age and eventually death between the two deaths there'd be a complete condemnation of anyone who ever ate the fruit God was clear on this they both understood it neither had any excuse to disobey 
But then we come to a conscious choice. Chapter 3, verse 1 again. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now listen one more time to what Paul told Timothy. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Now that truth from 1 Timothy has to be placed into the narrative of Genesis chapter 3. If we read Genesis 3 and don't have access to 1 Timothy 2, we may be tempted to think that what happened happened very quickly and that Adam really didn't have time to think about it. He was mostly caught off guard by it as much as Eve was. But when we put the truth of 1 Timothy 2 into the narrative of Genesis 3, we find that Adam had plenty of time to realize what Eve had done and what the consequences were. When we put the truth of 1 Timothy 2 into the narrative of Genesis 3, we find that Adam was able to clearly evaluate his choices. When we put the truth of 1 Timothy 2 into the narrative of Genesis 3. We find that Adam was able to see in Eve the beginning of the effects of sin and realizing what those effects were, chose to follow her into that sin anyway. Oh, put yourself there as an observer in that garden and try to see what Adam saw. Eve, his beloved wife, had never had anything but the pure, innocent glow of God on her face. But the moment she took of that fruit, that innocence was gone and her face changed just like it does today when someone sins, that sweet innocence goes away and people who really know them can see it written on their face. Eve had never had any fear of God before because she'd always been in the familiar territory of being obedient to God and blessed by God. But the moment she took of that fruit, the natural fear of sin and consequences was written on her face. She was in unfamiliar territory and she was in unfamiliar territory alone. Adam knew what God had said and Adam knew that God meant it. You listen to me very carefully. Adam knew that his wife was now dying. Adam knew that God was going to be angry with her. Adam knew that he could still walk and talk with God, but Eve couldn't. Adam was not some mindless dummy just because he was the first man. You can mark it down that having been hand-created by God and having never experienced the curse of sin, he was the most brilliant man who ever lived without ever having to experience it or see it. Adam knew what it was going to be like for Eve to grow old and get sick and die. When God told them they'd die if they ate the fruit, he never did have to explain it. They, they understood it. Adam knew. And Adam knew in an instant that he and Eve were now going different directions. He knew that he would never age, but that she would. He knew that however long it took, there would come a day when she in terror breathed her last breath and was put in the ground, but he would still be young and healthy and immortal. Adam knew the loneliness that Eve was already beginning to feel, and he knew that it was only going to get worse. Eve was deceived about all this, but Adam was not. As he looked at what the devil, as she knew that she believed what the devil told her, but Adam didn't. As the juice from that fruit dripped down her lovely chin, Adam knew that he himself now had a choice to make. Do I turn around and walk away? Do I leave her for God to deal with? Do I continue to stay young while she ages? Do I continue to walk with God while she no longer has that option? Do I leave her to her loneliness? Do I retain my innocence and immortality while she wallows in guilt and dies? Adam had a conscious choice to make, and he did, without being deceived, knowing exactly what it was going to cost. He chose aging over staying young. Without being deceived, knowing exactly what it was going to cost, he chose feeling guilt and shame over feeling nothing but innocence and purity. 
without being deceived, knowing exactly what it was going to cost, he chose to have his eyesight one day go dim. Without being deceived, knowing exactly what it was going to cost, he chose one day to have his hearing fade. Without being deceived, knowing exactly what it was going to cost, he chose to stay with his bride, even if it meant dying in agony for her. You please pay attention very closely. I am not for a moment justifying what Adam did. You know that he sinned. I know that he sinned. Even he knew that he sinned. What he did was wrong and inexcusable, but you cannot help but admire somebody that loves his bride enough to pay such a price for her. But then notice number four, consequence carried. Uh, verse 17, and unto Adam, chapter 3, verse 17, unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. Thou shalt eat the herb of the field, and the sweat of thy face shall thou have bread till thou return of the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. Now if we could put ourselves there on that day and see what it was like. You'd see Adam and Eve standing before God, both feeling the full weight of their guilt. God passed righteous sentence on them. And it's interesting to me that when he passed sentence on Eve, he actually said very little. Now, I would think that if I was the first one to ever sin, first one to ever do wrong, and the first one to ever tempt somebody to do wrong, I would think that the, the hammer of judgment's really going to fall hard on me. But everything that he says in verse 16, under the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception." In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. Thy desire shall be to thy husband. He shall rule over thee. If I'm Eve right, now, right then, I'm going, what? That's it? I'm the first one to sin? I, I tempted my husband to sin? And God just says that having children is going to hurt and my husband's going to rule, rule over me? When, when God lowered judgment on, on her, it didn't seem to be very much. God was going to lower the hammer, just not on her. Look at verse 17. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. Thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Adam, I'm cursing the entire planet for your sake. No matter where you drop a plow, every inch of ground is going to bow up and rebel against your efforts. Adam, I'm going to cause thorns and thistles to scar and scratch you and it's your fault. Adam, you had all the fruits of the garden to eat. Now I'm going to make you eat the herb of the field. Adam, you're going to work and sweat and get tired and exhausted. Adam, you're going to grow old and you're going to die. I made you out of dust and you disobeyed me. I'm going to strip you of your immortality. Your body's going to age and get sick and die and decay all the way back to the dirt you were before I made you. God doesn't seem to have shown the least bit of anger towards Eve. But when it came to Adam, God just lowered the hammer. And I have no doubt in my mind that Adam knew it was going to be that way. Well, they had one more thing coming, verse 23 and following. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Adam and Eve have been able to call paradise home. Now they found themselves kicked out. You understand what Adam did for the love of his bride? 
He gave up paradise. He gave up immortality and chose to die. He gave up being able to fellowship face to face with God. He chose to experience pain. He took his sin upon himself. He bore the full wrath of God for what she done. But hang on and hang on tight. Adam did what he did for the love of his bride, but he blew it. There was no way he could fix anything. All Adam did was make things worse. But there was another Adam. 1 Corinthians 15.45 mentions the first Adam. Then it calls Jesus the last Adam. That old Christmas song, Hark, the herald angels sing, had it right when it says, second Adam from above, reinstate us in thy love. You see, the first Adam had a bride that came from his side. The second Adam did too. John 19.34 says, but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith there came out blood and water and that's just the birthing of the bride. And the first Adam loved his bride. The second Adam loved his bride too. Ephesians 5.25 says, husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. The first Adam saw his bride sin and fall under the condemnation of God. The second Adam did too. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The first Adam knew his wife was going to die for what she'd done. The second Adam did too. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. The first Adam knew that if he tried to step in and help her, he's going to have to leave paradise to do it. The second Adam knew if he tried to step in and help his bride, he's going to have to leave heaven to do it. John 1.14 says, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The first Adam took his wife's sin upon himself. The second Adam did too. St. Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The first Adam stood up and willingly took the full brunt of God's wrath on himself for his pride. The second Adam did too. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. The first Adam was cut off from God because he chose to take his wife's sin upon himself. The second Adam was too. Matthew 27, 46 says, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The first Adam gave up immortality, lived a mortal life, and then breathed his last breath and died for his bride. The second Adam did too. John 19, 30 says, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar he said it is finished and he lowered his head and gave up the ghost our Adam knew exactly what he was doing he saw us in our sin and shame and in love and mercy he came and paid the price for our sin shedding his own blood and giving up his own life it wasn't an accident it wasn't an afterthought it wasn't a spur of the moment decision he knew exactly what he was doing he knew exactly what it would cost Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so little ones to him belong they are weak but he is strong Jesus loves me he who died heaven's gates to open wide he has washed away my sin let his little child come in Jesus loves his precious bride he has brought them to his side they have given him their hearts now they'll never be apart yeah. 
Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. And it does it starting all the way back from Genesis. Chapter 1, 2, and 3. Preacher, you come. 